You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and this edition of the show is brought to you by our good friends over at ProPrep. Now, those of you who follow me on social media will know that it's been a tough couple of days and, and a lot of it is is of my own making. Um, so I just want to start off the show by apologising uh, to anybody uh, who would have been offended by the derogatory terms that were used in some tweets of mine um, from a long, long time ago. And, and although they were a long time ago, and although they were during a very, very different stage of my life, that doesn't make them right. That doesn't make them acceptable. And um, obviously, I'm ashamed of some of those tweets. I'm ashamed of um, the fact that they found their way out into the public domain. Um, if I'd have known they were there, um, you know, <laughs> Not that it makes a difference because they shouldn't have been tweeted in the first place. But obviously to to see that kind of come out, your initial feeling is is one of panic, anger, disappointment, frustration. And, and the biggest concern is that it paints a picture of you that isn't necessarily accurate. Um, I use some derogatory terms in the past, um, you know, in a kind of football sense or with relation to football as a kind of juvenile you know, immature tribal football fan. And um, I've grown a lot since then. I've changed a lot since then. And those words now in 2022 certainly don't represent the person I am today. Um, I don't have an issue with any group of people, regardless of what football team they support, regardless of what part of the country they're from, regardless of, of background, anything like that. It was just, as I say, an immature football fan, um, you know, being a bit of an idiot. And, and and that's as far as it, it is, you know, some people have said to me that um, that I lied about some tweets being doctored. I, I haven't. And there are a few uh, floating about that are not, not genuine. Um, one that really bothered me, I can take the rest, but one that really bothered me was with supposed, you know, connotations to, to kitty fiddling, which, you know, is not, um, it is not nice to read. And, and that obviously made me angry and probably meant that I deal with dealt with the situation in a really shitty way. So once again, I just want to apologize to anybody who was offended. Um, and I want to reiterate the fact that I've grown, I've changed, we all do. Um, and if you don't grow and get better in life, then, you know, what's the point? So I uh, just want to kind of reiterate that stance, um, make it clear to you guys that those words were not coming from a place of hatred or discrimination but a place of immaturity and from a place where I probably didn't really understand how much of an impact those terms can have on people. As I've grown up and as I've gone through life, I've obviously met people, become friends with people from some of these different backgrounds. And that's why I wouldn't dream of using those terms today. Um, but it, it is a big mistake on my part. And um, and I apologise uh, to anybody that it caused offence. So I apologise to all the people that I work with for, um, because obviously I've put them in a situation that isn't ideal. Um, and I just want to thank everybody for their their lovely messages um, 
on the YouTube channel uh, because you guys, you know, you've you've helped me come through a couple of days of real difficulty. And as I say, it's of my own making, right? I'm not blaming anybody else uh, for it. There's nobody to blame but myself. But it has been tough and it's been hard and it's probably been the lowest I've been mentally maybe ever. Um, but had to get back to to what I love doing, had to get back to what I do best sooner rather than later. So uh, let's just crack on and let's talk about some transfers. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's start off with the story regarding Dusan Vlavic. Now, of course, the Fiorentina striker has been heavily, heavily linked with a move to Arsenal. And it seems as though the Gunners, according to David Ornstein, are in the strongest position to sign the Serbian striker in comparison to some of the other clubs who have shown an interest in his services to date. Now, I've said for a long time that Dusan Vlavic is a player that I really like. He's a player that I really enjoy. Watching being a big Serie A fan, as I am, his impact in the last 12 months or so has certainly not gone unnoticed with me. And I talked a lot recently about the attributes that he has and a lot of the qualities that he would bring to the table. I wondered if he was as um, as good in the link-up, in the build-up, as some of the other options that are being discussed. And we'll come on to touch on some of those in a few moments' time. Uh, that reminds me, actually, while you're at it, head over to the poll uh, in the live chat box. Get involved in that. Have your vote on which striker you'd like to see Arsenal sign, uh, if at all possible, this January. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Dusan Vlavic. And, and obviously this big issue that's been surrounding this deal is not whether Arsenal can afford it financially. I think we can all agree that Arsenal um, are in a really strong position in comparison to a lot of Serie A clubs and shouldn't have an issue from a monetary perspective, if they do want to get this deal done. The big issue has been whether or not Dusan Vlavic wants to join Arsenal, whether or not Arsenal convince him or can convince him that the project that Arsenal is one worthwhile, it's one worth joining. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously there have been reports coming out of Italy repeatedly over the last few days about the fact that he wants to uh, join Juventus, a club who are also in transition, a club who are also building. I, I still think for what it's worth, um, and, and if you're a Serie A fan, correct me if I'm wrong, that Juve will probably get into the Champions League positions because of having superior quality to some of the teams they're in direct competition with. But, um, you know, it's, it's that big thing again, isn't it, where Mikel Arteta and Edu are going to have to do a really good job once again of convincing that this is the right project, that this is the right way to move. And um, and as a result of that, off the back of that, uh, they've got their work cut out, right? So how can you look at this in a different way and maybe a more positive way? And the thing I've kind of been telling myself over the last sort of 24 hours as we continue to hear and learn of Arsenal's interest and Arsenal's current stance, position, uh, with regards to the signing of the striker, the 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 one way you can look at it from a positive way is that you don't have to convince Dusan Vlavic that Arsenal is the place for him forever. You don't have to convince Dusan Vlavic that he's going to be at Arsenal for seven, eight seasons, and therefore it's worth kind of you know making the commitment off the back of that. What you have to do is convince Dusan Vlavic that this is the right next step in his career. And then if you manage to sign a player of that magnitude, of that stature, of that quality, who so many people want to see, then, of course, you, you then have to start that process in terms of trying to convince them that it's a place they want to stay. But first, you have to get them in the door, right? And Dusan Vlavic might look at this and, and see it as an opportunity 
to get himself into the Premier League with a big club, a club where there's a big following. Uh, there's a lot of eyes on Arsenal Football Club all the time. And, um, you know, he'll probably see that if we can do a good job of convincing him as an opportunity to come and put himself in the Premier League spotlight. Serie A's wonderful. I love it. I adore it. It's got so much history, so much tradition. And for me, if I take the Arsenal bias out of it, it's probably my favourite league to watch. But you can't deny that the glitz and glamour and the spotlight around the Premier League um, it is 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 so much bigger. And somebody who's looking to maximise their career, particularly at Dusan Vlavic's age, where he's got time still to grow, could look at Arsenal and say, well, maybe this isn't the club that I definitely want to be at for the next 10 years, but it could be a really good step up from Fiorentina in a tougher league where the eyes are on me to then go and get that dream move that I want. And the good thing about Dusan Vlavic is he is young enough for him to be able to think in that way. He's not a 27, 28-year-old who's looking at it as, well, this next move needs to be my big move. And you've seen what that can do. You look at somebody like Harry Kane, who's at a stage in his career where he will feel it's kind of now or never with regards to winning trophies. And, um, and, and obviously that move hasn't come about yet and it's really impacted him. It's really hit him hard. It's really um, caused him a problem. So I think for me, um, you know, that's uh, that's one of the things that Arsenal shouldn't be directly pitching to Dusan Vlavic, you know, come here for three years and we'll let you go. But it does, from an Arsenal perspective, give us an opportunity to bring someone in who will require large investment, but could potentially bring in a large return later down the line, which fits in with the kind of strategy that Arsenal seem to be taking. Um, but equally, he won't see this as, well, I've got to be certain. Well, no, he will want to be certain, but he won't see this as a now or never move. And I think that will help us if we are going to stick to our guns and really try and convince this guy to come. And David Ornstein described this potential signing in his report as a signing that is summer business that would be being brought forward. And I completely agree with that. I just think with the situation around our striking uh, area at this moment in time, we'd be wise to to try and speed up that process and speed up that timeline. And not just because of the situations in terms of the contracts of Enketia, Lacazette, and obviously everything that's going on with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but uh, because of the fact that we might look at someone like Eddie Enketia and think, well, this is our last chance to get something in for him. You could also argue that Vlavic coming in this month would give him time to adapt and understand and get to grips with the Premier League, which means it's not kick off the 2022-23 season with Dusan Vlavic as your striker and he's got to settle and he's got to come to to the party very quickly and be at the, the kind of peak of his game really quickly. You can give him time to embed the way almost Martin Odegaard did, right? He came in in the second half of last season, came in at the end of January, didn't have an awful lot of time, but that taste of Premier League football certainly stood him in better stead this time around and, and I think has really, really helped him. So there are lots of positives to getting this deal done now. We know that Fiorentina are in the market for a striker. We know that they've been linked with a number of strikers as well. And perhaps they're anticipating um, doing some business that will allow them to allow Vlavic to move on um, this month. And um, and it feels like you kind of need to strike while the iron's hot if you're Arsenal. We're at a good moment right now. We're on the up. We're moving forward. Um, 
there's going to be less competition in January than there would be in the summer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. So um, fingers crossed we can get it done. I don't know that deal is close to being completed. I don't even know that a deal has been agreed. But uh, according to David Ornstein, Arsenal are currently in the strongest position. And you've got to take encouragement from that. Doesn't mean it'll happen. It doesn't mean that Vlavic will even leave Fiorentina this month. But to be in that good position and strong position suggests that if we really want this, we can make it happen. And uh, and I'd love to see us make it happen. And as I say, it then opens the door to getting some money in for Eddie and Ketia. It means that, you know, we can... Um, we're not solely relying on Alex Lacazette and it gives the player some time to come here and adapt and learn and, and understand what exactly the Premier League is all about. So, yeah, um, obviously it's a it's a positive natured report, but as I say, don't get carried away with it just yet. I've been rating some of the transfer rumours throughout this window so far. And um, when it comes to when it comes to this one, I'm going to put this in the sevens because it's David Ornstein. And that obviously has a big impact, right? The, the quality of the source is often uh, key in these things and and often will play a massive part in the way I rate a particular story. So yeah, um, that's where I'm going to put this one at. Seven out of 10 on the scale at this moment in time. Right. That's my take on Dusan Vlavic. Let me know what you guys think in the chat and we will check out the poll in just a few minutes time. Let's see uh, what you guys um, what you guys are saying as well with regards to who you'd like to see the Arsenal bring in. Uh, just uh, while you guys are getting your thoughts on Vlavic in the comments for me to read out, um, I just want to bring you guys a quick message from our sponsors over at ProPrep. It's the perfect study tool for uni students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules, and it can half your study time. ProPrep, of course, provide bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. And it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so that you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more info. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now. No credit card information required. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P.uk slash info slash football. That's ProPrep, the ultimate study tool. And we thank them, of course, for their kind sponsorship. Right, let's go back to the chat box. Let's see what you guys uh, are saying uh, with regards to uh, this report. Um, Matt G says, I don't know um, or think we'll get Vlavic, but it's a positive sign that the club are willing to spend big on a striker in January. Um, yeah, great point. Uh, Noah Daniels is a little bit reluctant on this one, says, I don't want to sign someone if they need that much convincing. Yeah, I guess I get that. and um, And I think that you know, you're right. I think that the name of Arsenal and the, the stature of Arsenal Football Club should automatically make people want to join. But the reality is, and we've got to be realistic about this, is that we're not where we need to be and we're not where we should be. Not yet anyway. And um, off the back of that, you're going to have difficulty convincing people. It doesn't mean that they don't admire or respect Arsenal Football Club. But obviously, when you don't have the results to show someone there and then, 
you need to you need to convince them. You need to sell them the project. You need to almost sell them the dream of what Arsenal could be in the coming season. So, yeah, um, it's obviously not ideal. OK, and, and I'd much rather that somebody that we were this interested in was kind of chomping at the bit to join the football club. But we don't live in an ideal world. And 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 that's, I guess, the reality of it. Uh, Vladimir Soskic says that the problem is in the management company that own the rights to Vlavic's contract. I'm from Serbia. And believe me, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, many Italian reporters have investigated that. Uh, what else have we got? Tom Gardner says, how much emphasis do we put on wanting to be at the club, Harry? Say if it was between Isak, who really wanted to be here, or Vlavic, who was hesitant. I think you've got to put some emphasis on it, right? That the player's hunger and desire to succeed somewhere obviously comes into it. You know, we've seen players on many occasions go and join clubs that, you know, maybe they didn't want to go to. Maybe that's what the way it went. Maybe that's the way the kind of cookie crumbled, if you like. And they ended up somewhere where they weren't entirely happy. And as a result, didn't perform. So I do think there is something to be said for that. And I do think it's an issue. But then you've got to weigh up the difference in quality, right? If you think Vlavic is a much better striker than Isak, and I'm not even saying that he is, but if that's what you think, then you've got to weigh up whether that wanting to be at Arsenal or not as your first choice is more powerful or, or is, is significant enough to justify opting for the player who maybe is less on the pitch. I think that's um, that's one of the factors that you need to consider, yes, but I don't know if it can be a deciding factor. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Wandering Minstrel says, Arsenal are a more exciting move for him. We're a young group and improving. Um, Patrick says, scared it won't work for him in the Prem, but don't mind being proved wrong. So real mixed bag of opinions uh, on this. A few of you suggesting Ivan Tony is a realistic... Um, um, is a realistic option. Not a massive fan of Ivan Tony. I got to be honest. Um, big thanks to to Graham uh, McDougall for your kind words, man. Thank you so much. Um, what else have we got? What else have we got? Um, Billy Anderson says, "I didn't expect this, but the Ornacle has spoken. He has indeed." Uh, let's see what else we've got. Philip says that Vlavic fits the perfect profile for the team currently being built. Really hope to get him. It's crucial to have a reliable striker up front. Um, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Michelle says, Harry, why is 90 min rated as a bad source for transfers? Just Google. I, I mean, they, they, they've got plenty right. And um, often in the transfer scene, mate, uh, people are very quick to kind of label, aren't they? And um, yeah, so... There's been plenty of stories that they got right as well uh, and ahead of time, too. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, my advice to you during the transfer window would be read everything, read everywhere that you can, if, if that's what you want to do. But take everything with a pinch of salt and then you'll never be disappointed. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Billy Anderson says, I trust anyone that Edu and Mikel pick because, um, be honest, they've smashed it recently. Yeah, agree with that. Um, Diego VC says, hi, Harry. I think we'll have summer transfers in advance this month. Arteta wouldn't let Ainsley Maitland-Niles go without an incoming. Dusan or Isak would be amazing. A good moment for the Arsenal fans to get excited. And yeah, look, um, let's quickly touch on, on some of the comments from Mikel Arteta's press conference earlier today ahead of the Nottingham Forest fixture. He did say uh, that Arsenal will move um, and look at options in the midfield area. He also explained the Ainsley Maitland-Niles situation. He said that 
Uh, Ainsley had gone to him, had discussed the fact that, you know, he'd waited and his game time wasn't quite where he wanted it to be and that the appeal and the opportunity to go to Rome and work under Jose Mourinho was one that he he felt was the right thing, uh, the right opportunity, a move that he wanted. And Arsenal have acted um, in allowing the player to go. And then there was another question a little bit later on where um, Mikel Arteta basically acknowledged that we're short in a position, but also kind of indirectly mentioned Maitland-Niles and said, well, you know, just because we're short in a position, it doesn't make it right to hold a young player back who's been very patient, who's been very um, understanding and all of that. Um, it, so we we shouldn't hold them back from, you know, where it is they want to be or from progressing in their career because of the fact that, um, you know, we're short. It, it, essentially, it's not Maitland-Niles' fault that Arsenal are in this position, so why make him suffer for it? Um, but as I say, he did mention, he did hint, he did say uh, clearly, actually, that the intention is to look now for a midfield option. So could potentially see one of those coming in before the end of the transfer window. Uh, right, let's go back to the comments. Start getting some of your questions in as well. I'd love to take some of your questions um, as we work our way through the rest of the show. Let's go over to that poll. Uh, that we've got running on YouTube at the moment. Uh, just before I reveal the current results on that, uh, there are over 250 of you watching live right now. Uh, so please do hit that like button. There are 55 likes on the board, but let's try and get that over the 100 mark. It should be light work, given how many of you are with us at this moment in time. Please do subscribe to the channel as well. Um, we are moving toward... Um, toward the 18,000 mark here on YouTube alone, which would be great if we could hit that sooner rather than later. So please do get involved there as well. Okay, um, let's have a look at that poll. How does it stand at present? The poll was, the question was, who would you prefer to sign? Dusan Vlavic, Alexander Isak, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, or somebody else? An overwhelming 58% of you want to see Arsenal bring in Dusan Vlavic. Uh, 20% of you would prefer for Arsenal to move for Alexander Isak. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is currently on 9%, while somebody else is at 13%. Now, if you are in the live chat and you do think it should be somebody else, please do uh, let me know who you think it should be. I'd really, um, I'd really be interested to hear some of those names. I know a lot of you um, uh, are saying Jonathan David. So uh, that's one. Uh, that I would certainly, um, I'd certainly be interested to know a little bit more about. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, let's going back to that Vlavic discussion we were having a little bit earlier. Matt G says, "I don't know why fans put so much importance on the player wanting to kiss the badge of Arsenal. If he scored twenty plus goals a season, um, I wouldn't care that he'd want to go to a bigger club." Yeah, um, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, what else have we got? Creambone says, Harry, so glad to have you back. Thank you, mate. Um, really, really appreciate it. And thank you uh, for your support and um, and kind messages as well. Uh, what else have we got? Right. Questions, questions, questions. Let's do some of these questions. A couple more names coming up. Darwin Nunez, Patrick Schick, uh, Ossiman over at Napoli, Haaland uh, being mentioned as well. I'd love Haaland to come, but that's going to be a tough tough one, isn't it? If you're going to struggle to convince Vlavic, I think that Haaland will be a difficult one as well. Uh, Gracchus McNero says, um, that isn't one of, yeah, have I said that right? Gracchus McNero? 
Yeah, Gracchus. Uh, so does this mean it will be one striker now, Vlavic, and another in the summer, David? I don't know, but there's certainly a need if if Lacazette does leave, if Enketia does leave, to bring in more than one striker or at least striking option. That might be a winger that we see as somebody who could play in that position. Perhaps Gabriel Martinelli will be seen as a backup in that area. Um, I know some people have toyed with the idea or, or mentioned, talked about the idea of... Um, Nicola Pepe being given an opportunity there as well. So at the end of the day, we need to find another option, don't we, outside of just the one player. I think what will probably happen is Arsenal will go big on a striker um, in the summer rather than January. That's That's still my gut feel, even though I've just been talking to you about all the reasons why Arsenal might and probably should look to move that Vlavic deal up to now. Um... I still feel like uh, it's probably more likely that if we're going to go big, we go big in the summer. And and we've still got time, I think, to convince Alexander Lacazette uh, to sign a short-term deal. Listen, I wouldn't be against giving Laka a two-year deal um, as long as it isn't like bank-breaking and doesn't hinder us in anything else. I think he's a, a massively positive influence in and around the place. And I'd like to quite, I'd quite like to see him stay on, if not as the main focal point, probably or not as the main focal point, but as someone who can contribute from behind the scenes. Uh, let's take this question uh, from Ekene, who says, are we not setting ourselves up for another Emmy Buendia? Ornstein is usually wrong and Arteta Edu don't sign the obvious. Um, I don't think that you can say it, it's, it's wrong that, you know, we did have an interest in Buendia. You know, we know that an offer got knocked back. Um, and I said at the time that I thought it was probably a little bit of a blessing. I thought that Arsenal were right not to uh, go beyond what they felt was reasonable for the player. And I think although he, he produced a lovely turn and assist the other day, he's still not the Emmy Buendia that would have turned our fortunes around. I don't think he's been at Martin Odegaard's level, for example, this season. I don't think he's been at Emil Smith-Rowe's level. And so for me, I don't think he's been at Saka's level either. So I think for me, we were justified in not going that extra mile. But that doesn't mean that the report we were interested was wrong. Um, What journalists do is, you know, and especially really well-connected ones like David Ornstein, is, you know, they'll tap into their sources, they'll get information. And that information, you know, might not always materialise into a concrete transfer, but it doesn't mean that that information was incorrect. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, for example, it it, it doesn't mean that because Arsenal are interested in Vlavic that they're definitely going to get that deal over the line. It doesn't mean that because Arsenal didn't sign Buendia that there was never any interest there. So I just think we need to be uh, a little bit kind of mindful of that. Um, old man Bradshaw says, how much would you value our summer transfers now that we're midway through the season? 150 million seems like a bit of a steal. Yeah, I mean, some of those deals. I think what was quite clever about that transfer window and what has proven to have been quite shrewd and quite smart was I think Arsenal were, were quite aware of the fact that in some instances they were overpaying for certain players, but knew that they were also underpaying for others. And I think that's what balanced that window out quite nicely. So if you take, for example, Ben White at £50 million, a lot or a large proportion of that £50 million was about what he could become as opposed to what he is now. A lot of the money paid for Aaron Ramsdale was with regards to what he could become 
as opposed to what he was at the time we literally signed him. Um, and then you've got like Takahiro Tomiyasu, who's like 17, 18 million pounds, which to bring in a, a fullback of that quality this day and age feels like a bit of a steal. Nuno Tavares at 8 million pounds based on what he can become. So this way, the other, this time, the other way around was valued at, or sorry, based at what he was at the time rather than what he could become. So a situation where the role was reversed was obviously cheap at eight million pounds. Martin Odegaard was a, a really decent buy as well for a player in that position uh, for that price. So Arsenal did a really, really good job, I thought, of balancing it all out. Yeah, did you raise an eyebrow at 50 million for Ben White? Yeah. But when you then, you know, make savings on other players, you go on to be equally as effective. Then you're looking at, you know, you're looking at how you manage to balance it out and you're talking about bargains and, and ultimately your transfer budget is your transfer budget, right? It doesn't really matter which percentage of it is allocated. As long as you get the business that you need to do done, it doesn't matter how much percentage of it was attributed to each individual player, as long as it collectively improves the side. Uh, let's see what else uh, we've got. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Let's see what else we've got. Uh, just rolling through the chat box, uh, trying to pick out a few bits and pieces. Uh, just going back to the Vlavic stuff, it is obviously the main talking point, discussion point story today. Uh, Mohammed, our friend over in Palestine, I hope you're well, my friend, says, uh, look, Harry, the main problem is that Vlavic and his agents are not convinced of Arsenal. We need him. Um, if not, OK, move on to another top striker. Yeah, it's got to be a top striker, hasn't it? Uh, Shantam also adds to that. Dusan's agent doesn't want Arsenal, as we will give Fiorentina and Dusan big money, but not his agent. Yeah, that's a massive thing as well, uh, isn't it? The agents uh, are always um, super keen to make the deal happen that obviously works for them as well. Uh, big hello to Simon Walker, who says, love the Yellowstone hat. Yes, Simon. Do you know what? So many people don't know about Yellowstone in the UK. And it baffles me because it's honestly one of the best TV series that I've probably ever watched. Um, it's it's honestly, it's it's so, so good. Um, so if you haven't seen it, please do check it out. Um, it's got Kevin Costner in it. He's um, fantastic as always. But it's a really, really cool series. And um, yeah, there's a lot of people that haven't seen it. And there's a lot of people here in the UK, you know, sometimes when you talk with friends and, and mates and you, you chat about, uh, you know, different bits and pieces and they say to you, oh, what are you watching at the moment? So many of them, when I say Yellowstone, they're like, what? What's Yellowstone? I think I've only seen, I haven't seen the latest series yet. I'm about to get that one started, but I've seen the ones leading up to it. And it's honestly, it's so, so good. So yeah, if you are in the UK or anywhere, but you haven't watched Yellowstone, it's a really cool show. And, uh, and I think you'll like it. Uh, Patrick says, question, thoughts on Son being out for the North London derby has to be good news for us. Yes. Um, yeah, it's obviously positive news that Son is not going to be available. He's a player that over the years has caused us uh, a lot of problems. So, um, yeah, uh, obviously positive to hear that. But, you know, I'm not going to be one of those guys that sits there and kind of like lays into people being injured and sort of celebrates injuries. But obviously the fact that he's not there is, is obviously a good thing. Um, a good thing for us. Uh, what else have we got? Um, 
interested to get your your thoughts on this because Jithin is not the only person that that I've had this response from or discussion with in recent days. Uh, he says Dusan is good, but practically thinking, Dom Dominic Calvert Lewin can give more to this current squad. What do you guys think about Dominic Cavalier? He's a player I like, but he's just not that. He's not the wow guy. He's not the guy that is going to really. And I know that that sounds a bit hypocritical when I've praised Arsenal for doing business last summer that wasn't necessarily wow in a lot of people's eyes, but has had a really positive impact. But I just feel like in this current model, you're looking for players whose ceiling is incredibly high. And even if they're not at that level now, you're banking on them being there a little bit later down the line. And it's not that I don't rate Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I just, if you want to see Arsenal continuing an upward trajectory, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin ever going to be at the level where he's one of the top five strikers in the Premier League? I would argue right now he's not. But will he ever be there? I don't know. And, and I'm not sure about that. And I'm not convinced about that, which is why, although he has a lot of good attributes, he's Premier League proven as well, which is obviously a big thing for people too. It just, for me, isn't the one that jumps out to me. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Billy Anderson says that, genuinely speaking, if we managed to get Champions League football this year comfortably, would Haaland be a genuine option in the summer, do you think? Um, I I've read some reports today that... Um, that um, Manchester City have set their sights on Haaland. I think that was something that David Ornstein reported, and forgive me if I've got this wrong, uh, in the same piece that he reported, the Vlavic stuff. So it, it, there's no reason why Arsenal can't try and enter the race for someone like Erling Haaland. But unlike Dusan Vlavic or Alexander Isak, I think that Haaland is already proven himself kind of on the Champions League stage. And, and, and what he's done is he's earned the right to be picky among the very, very elite teams at the moment, whereas Vlavic is still on that journey. Alexander Isak is still on that journey as well. So I think it will be a difficult one to pick up. I know a lot of people say, well, we should be aiming for the best players. And I and I agree with that. But I think from the position we're in today, I think there could be a lot of wasted energy and effort in a pursuit like that, um, when actually it, it, it probably isn't going to materialise anyway. I guess it's about taking deciding whether the gamble is is worth it or not and, and as some of you rightly point out the injury record um and i haven't looked this up but you know off the top of my head i associate dominic calvert lewin as someone who's who's been injured quite a bit let's talk a little bit about the midfield situation because that is also massive you know and i brought you guys that little update a little bit earlier on um you know um with regards to with regards to Mikel Arteta's comments around the midfield, he, he mentioned that Ainsley made in our situation confirmed that the deal is uh, very close to being officially announced and confirmed that Arsenal will be looking for a midfielder this this window. So what do we do in the midfield? And and this is an interesting thing, right? Because we know that Xhaka is there. We know that Partey is someone who is only absent because of the AFCON will be back. We know that Lokonga is someone very much for the future. If we did sign a fourth midfield player, it's likely that that midfield player is going to not play as much football as they'd like initially. Um, I, I do worry that we're short in numbers there. Elneny, Afcon, um, 
you know, it, people are talking about young Charlie Patino still feels a little bit too young, a little bit too raw for me, it, for the Premier League anyway, in, in regular fixtures. I've got no issue with him playing in the cup games and all of that stuff. And I, and I also get that you need to give people a chance and, and you need to give him those opportunities. But I think the kind of the thinking behind it and when people say, you know, it can only be someone that is happy with not playing or is happy to be in like third choice or whatever. I think it has to be someone that you see as as eventually being one of the first choices. So again, sticking to that strategy of signing players that you feel are in a position to go on and become better and establish themselves as regulars in this Arsenal team. But equally, you've got to think about the fact that if we achieve our objectives and are in Europe next season, there'll be a lot more games for these fringe players or players that are not in the starting eleven to get exposure and get game time. So that will obviously benefit us in that sense. So, um, you know, we're being heavily linked with Bruno Gimaraes. There was a lot about that yesterday. Um, I didn't podcast yesterday for, for obvious reasons, but I was reading stuff. I was keeping across it. I was up to date um, with with what was being said and, and what was being reported. And, and Leon have obviously set their, um, you know, their price tag at a certain point and And it's, pretty much simple if Arsenal um you know if Arsenal want him they know what they got to pay a bit like the situation was with Hussein Mawar last summer but we decided in the end not to pay it and not to make that move so you know hopefully he is a player that we we can bring in because he's a player that I really like I, I, I gotta be honest yesterday in the morning I think it was I posted a tweet asking like is that price tag that Leon have set um a little bit OTT does that feel uh a little bit sort of over the top does it feel like it's a I don't want to use the term ripoff but a little bit you know out there and and actually a load of you kind of reported back and and sort of said that no um it's not it's actually a very fair price for a player of that quality and and I then proceeded to watch some clips and I know that you can't really judge a player based solely on a few compilations but I had a good look at him and I and I at least see why people are so big on him and why people feel that he's really got a lot of ability. So, yeah, it'd be interesting um, to see how that midfield situation develops. And I think the, the striker thing is a bit of a red herring for us at the moment because I know that the Oba situation is what it is. And we'll come on to just briefly discuss that in a moment. I know the Lacquer situation is what it is. We know what's going on with Nketiah. We know that Balogun could well be on his way out on loan in the coming days. Um, reports that he's close to joining Middlesbrough. So lots is going to change in that sense. But the striker situation feels like a bit of a red herring in the sense of, I think that although there is interest in a striker and there is a hope that Arsenal can bring one in, the main focus right now, especially in light of Ainsley Maitland-Nazi's imminent departure, is in the midfield. And we shouldn't lose sight of that and we shouldn't forget that. I think that is where Arsenal's priority lays right now. And I think actually on the balance of things, that's probably right. So I, I do expect the midfielder to come in before a striker, but if we get both, happy bloody days. Uh, right, uh, let's take a couple more of your questions. Actually, first, let's quickly touch on this um, this Aubameyang stuff. Now, of course, Aubameyang is away at the AFCON, um, was videoed, pictured, whatever it was, partying, um, you know, and uh, and has now tested positive for COVID a few days later. And obviously, lots of people have been kind of sticking the boot in on Aubameyang and saying, well, actually, this is why Mikel Arteta 
did what he did. This is why Mikel Arteta dropped him. And Mikel Arteta has been justified in saying that. And actually, Mikel Arteta was asked about it today in his press conference. And he didn't really want to say anything. You know, he, he just basically uh, said that I wasn't there. I don't know what they were allowed to do and what they weren't allowed to do. And that, and that is that uh, any decisions I've taken have been in the best interests of the club. And I truly believe that. But Aubameyang is not doing himself any favours, is he? If he wants to earn a move away, this kind of behaviour isn't going to help him. Uh, but equally, if the whole team's gone out, then you can't really hold the kind of, uh, you know, hold Aubameyang as this, you know, completely irresponsible individual who's gone off on his own and and done what he felt like doing. So, yeah, it's um, it's a hard one to judge. And, and you know, I know what it's like to be judged on uh, on a stupid action even from a long, long time ago. I've really felt that this week. So I'm, you know, I talked about right at the start of the show about how I've grown since 2010, 2011, and how, you know, I now working in this world, understand that I have a greater responsibility um, to act in the right way because the platform is growing equally, you know, as a footballer, that must be at a much, much higher level. And I think Aubameyang's got a responsibility, but I'm also... A little bit more, I don't know, maybe it's the events of the last few days, um, less willing or less knee-jerk in terms of sticking the boot in on someone when you don't really understand the context or what's happened in between um, around something. So, yeah, um, I, I hate that I've been judged on a mistake that I made ages ago. Um, doesn't mean it wasn't a mistake, doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. It absolutely was. Um, and I take full responsibility for that. But I understand how it feels uh, now. And, and maybe I didn't. And, and with some people, you need to experience stuff to understand it properly. And, and I feel that's the case with me uh, in a lot of issues. And um, and so I don't want to say, oh, Aubameyang did this and Aubameyang went out and did this and nobody else um, did it. And, you know, we don't know. But are there questions around this professionalism at the moment? Yeah, there are. And um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's how it is. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Matt G says, I don't think Aubameyang has grown in two days, Harry. Yeah, probably not, man. Probably not. <laughs> you get the point I'm trying to make. Like, sometimes you need to have all the information available to to make a, a, a proper judgment on something. And um, although he has history on it, you know, we don't know what the situation was the other night ahead of uh, their AFCON opener. And uh, looking forward to doing some work on the AFCON. I'm doing a commentary game on the AFCON, my first international tournament ever. Uh, so looking forward to that as well. And I'll share with you guys the link where you can find all of that as well. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to getting your feedback on that as always. Right. Uh, any more questions? Any more questions? Chuck them in the chat. Let's check in uh, on the likes uh, right now. Over 362 of you watching right now. We're slowly creeping towards that 400 mark in terms of live viewers. Only 120 likes on the board, though. Come on, let's get it up to 150 and sharpish. In fact, we should be around about the 200 mark, really. Uh, but anyway, let's <clears throat> beg your pardon. Let's uh, let's go back to the live chat and see what people are saying, wondering minstrel, no Pierre, no problem. It's become a bit of a catchphrase of yours, isn't it? Uh, in the last few weeks. And, and you know what, the more that goes on, the more that unfolds, the more, uh, sort of credibility that opinion is, is starting to have. Um, Creambone 66 says, Harry, would you take Renato Sanchez? 
I like Renato Sanchez as a player. I like a lot of the attributes he has. I think we've discussed him before quite a while back, though. Um, and he's someone that I've looked at in the past and felt would be a good option for Arsenal. But again, like many players, it's that injury record that really concerns me. And I know injuries a lot of the time are down to luck. Um, you know, you could you could be as fit as anything. You could take the greatest care of yourself and someone comes clattering in with a horrible challenge. You've got a problem and then you've got a problem that stays with you throughout your career. Um, you know, I had that problem when I was playing football. I, I took great care of myself. I don't now, obviously, as you can see. Um, but I did then and and I had a really bad ankle injury where somebody came smashing into the inside of my ankle and the ligament damage got better, but it never ever was a it was always a weak point for me basically so uh, you can have sympathy for some injury prone players but ultimately you know you need to do what's best for your team and what's best for your club it sounds ruthless but you need to look at that and an availability is for me a big thing when you're talking about how good somebody is and and how valuable somebody is so with somebody who's got such a patchy record in terms of availability, there will be clubs out there that will think that it's worth taking a gamble on. I'm not sure that it is for Arsenal and in the place that we're in today and where we're looking to move to. But yeah. Anyways, uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Willow Mo Fire says, between Isak and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who would you choose? I would pick Isak over the two. Uh, why? Because I think his ceiling's higher. Um not because I don't think that Calvert-Lewin's at a good level now, but I just think that he's got that room to grow into a real top, top class player. And I think that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you know, I'm not saying there's nothing more to come from him, but I don't think he's got that much more in terms of how far he can push. So, um, yeah. Uh, Fuzzy says, uh, hi, mate, would you take Martial? I think he would fit in, especially with the way Arsenal are currently playing. I've never been big on Anthony Martial ever. Um, you know, obviously, I think I mentioned it on a stream the other day, obviously came in to the Premier League, started out with Manchester United, scored that brilliant goal, didn't he? And, and from then on, you know, really sort of um, started to make people feel like he was the next big thing, but it never really materialised for him. So, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, um, if I'm being honest. Uh, Johnny Wanderling says, do you think we missed the trick with not signing Tammy Abraham? I think Tammy Abraham would have been a good fit. And I think I said that at the time. Um, I felt like the the price being banded about was a little bit extortionate. And obviously the price that Roma got him for, or, you know, you know, the price that he was going to be allowed to leave Chelsea for to go abroad was obviously going to be different um, to that of a club who, you know, are in the same league, uh, London rivals and in direct competition. So, yeah. Um, you know, he, 36 million is what he went for. We, I reckon we'd have had to pay at least 50. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's that. Um, but a good player, lots of, of the attributes that I think we're probably looking for and could do with, but I think the money would have been a lot and the, uh, and that sort of money maybe would have priced me out of it if I were the club. So, um, I don't think we missed the trick, but it, it would, was a decent option. I felt, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Zebedee says, how significant do you think friendships are in player transfers? Odegaard's relationship with Haaland is giving lots of fans hope. Is it fair? I think it plays a part. I think that, you know, naturally, especially if you're going to move country and you're going to go and live abroad, 
having a friend of yours there will obviously make that transition easier. Um, and at a time where, you know, you know, we, we often don't talk about the fact that footballers are human beings and that they will experience loneliness and you can have all the money in the world and all the flash cars in the world and the biggest TV and the, the best sort of cinema room, whatever you want to call it. But if you're lonely, you're lonely. And that's really hard. You know, I felt lonely in the last couple of days and, um, it's, it's a tough, tough place to be. Um, let alone when you're then expected to perform at the highest elite level possible. So um, I think it helps, but I don't think it's always a deal breaker. I think it can be a bit of a sweetener and it can be something that you can add on top of a load of other great things that you need to be offering to get those players over. Uh, Judith32 says, do you think fans have a problem of clamouring for players that they've hardly seen play consistently enough to have informed peer, uh, opinions on? Like, seriously, how many have seen Bruno play? Yeah, I do think that's a... I do think that people do make up their minds quickly on players. And I think that a lot of that is because of the world we live in. You know, you can go on YouTube and watch a compilation. And as I said earlier, although I don't think it gives you the, the insight you need, um, it can give you an indication. And I think a lot of people's indications then get passed off as like a, a bigger knowledge. And, I, and I'm always quite mindful of not going too big on a player and what they're about if I haven't watched a lot of them. Because I think you can get caught up in that clamour. You can get caught up in the noise. Um, but equally, we are football fans. And if we can't get excited about the potential of shiny new signings, then what's the point? So I think... While I, I, I take some of those opinions, not with a pinch of salt, but with an open mind, I think that it's part of being a football fan. And and if you took that away, it wouldn't be as fun, would it? So, uh, yeah, um, that's where I'm at on that. Tom Soma says, yes, Harry, love the pod, man. Listen to this when I go to sleep. Oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> And then he says, I listen to it probably when I'm doing my rounds the next day. Hopefully we can get Vlavic, feel like he would fit perfectly. Yeah, man, uh, for sure. And um, looking forward to uh, to uh, talking, <laughs> talking you to sleep this evening. Please do enjoy. Oh, my God. Uh, Justin says, would you swap Pepe for Dejan Kulusevsky? Interesting question. Dejan Kulusevsky currently at Juventus is a player that, of course, Arsenal have been linked with and linked with quite a bit um, in recent times. Just 21 years old, uh, another player that kind of fits into that age profile which we're looking for. Um, probably plays his best football in a wide area, um, in a wide area. Uh, but of course, has shown that he can play in more central areas as well during his time at Juve, and that versatility might uh, make him a, a more appealing prospect to some. I think he's a good player. I think he's lost his way a little bit at Juventus and I think that a move is what he needs to kind of really kickstart and move forward again. I'm at a place with Pepe where I still think he's a decent option and I think he's an option that we're going to need to use um, between now and the end of the season if we're going to achieve our goals and objectives. But um, he's also someone that I don't think is is ever going to really go mad uh, in terms of like exploding and, and everybody going, oh my God, why were we ever questioning this signing and the money we paid? So I think for me, it's it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it, with um, with Pepe? But if that offer was available, yeah, I, I probably would take it just on the basis that I still think Pepe is a good use, but I don't think that um, he is someone that is ever going to go 
to another level for us, whereas Kulusevski could be. Uh, Diego says, Harry, who would you choose as a potential starting midfielder? Zakaria and Bruno are good options, but I think Coop Miners is exactly what we need. Yeah, like uh, Bruno, um, like Zakaria as well. Um, Zakaria, if I've not said that right. Uh, Coop Miners is someone that we were linked with quite a bit um, recently, actually. Last, was it? I think it was in the summer we were we were linked with Coop Miners and, and a player that a lot of people bring up quite a bit. Uh, not got a great knowledge of, of Coop Miners and I will uh, look at him in a little bit more detail over the coming days. Now that we know that Mikel Arteta is looking for a midfielder, we can kind of double down on that midfielder content instead of wasting our time talking about other things that are probably never going to come to fruition. So, yeah, uh, we'll definitely do some deep dives on midfielders uh, over the coming days. So make sure you stick with us for those. Uh, we are going to leave it there. Don't forget, hit the like button if you haven't done so already. We've got 155 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to 200 before we leave over 360 of you watching us live right now. Check out our sponsors, Pro Prep, in the, uh, in the description. As always, support them. You're supporting the Chronicles of Aguna. Uh, so please do get involved there. And uh, I'll be back very, very soon with more. It's great to be back. In fact, I'll be back tomorrow. Feeling uh, really good being back on the pod. So uh, we'll catch up with you all tomorrow. That's Saturday. And uh, we'll talk some more transfers and whatever else uh, comes up in the world of Arsenal. Until next time, thank you for all your support. And uh, love you all. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.